there are three ways I think that we can look at money. There's the, the way of capitalism, which says that my money is my own. I earned it and I do what I want with it. And if I want to be generous, then I'm a generous person. That's the capitalistic way of looking at money. There's a socialist way of looking at money, which is my money belongs to the state and they will distribute it, redistribute it as they see fit. But then the Christian biblical way of looking at money is that my money belongs to God and I am called to steward it the way that he sees fit. Mm. It is his funds. Open wide your eyes that I may stare deeply into them and, and see, my, see reflection. my reflection. We're almost the only words, the all were almost the words that were going to be the last words I ever said on the earth when I said those to my wife <laughs> once. <laughs> oh, you did? Yes. Open wide your eyes that I may stare deeply into them. Now, it made her laugh. She didn't get offended. Um, I don't know if she laughed. At that moment. <laughs> Do you remember what I said um, that, um, to Sue? Um, if I was Solomon, you'd be in the top ten. Yes. And that greatly encouraged her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ray Comfort. Terrible. Ray Comfort. Yeah, the things I've said <laughs> to my wife. Um, and, yeah, she, she's a very patient woman. Yep. What was – oh, that's right. On Valentine's Day, our first Valentine's Day, uh, our new relationship, we hadn't kissed and – I gave her a card. This last year, right? This is last week? <laughs> Yesterday. I said, uh, I said I'm going to give you a big kiss in the card. And I had two kids that were kind of leaning over a puddle about to kiss. And I lean in and she leans in. And then I bring a big Hershey kiss and put it right between us. Did you really? Yeah. Poor girl. We kept that for years, too, until it started turning like white and rotten. And then you ate it? <laughs> yeah. 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 Speaking of that, what people do with poor couples, tell them to put that top chair of the cake in their freezer for a year. And then eat it on their anniversary. <laughs> Who thought that up, right? Yeah, yeah. Someone wanted to kill the couple. Speaking of cakes, just like to take a moment to thank Scotty, our um, sound guy, who's doing such a good job on these podcasts. Hey, Scotty. The cake reminded you of Scotty because he's yeah, so it was sweet. S- sweet, yeah. Well, he brings us chocolates and he has them in a box, mm-hmm. a and battery box. Empty already from the gluttonous chocolate eaters. We try to open them without here. making any noise under the table. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, I am. Uh, Tuckered out. I don't know where that came from. Tuckered that's out, in New wiped Zealand. out. That's in is New it? Zealand. I think it is. Is that American? Yeah. Really Why do I feel that when I want to say stuff like that, I always feel like putting on like a southern accent? Like I'm, I'm all tuckered, tuckered out. <laughs> I'm wiped. <laughs> I'm you do that pretty good, actually. I'm bushed. See, now the people from the south aren't laughing. This is normal. That's what's, that what's, what's normal. What's so funny right. about like, this. I finally understand what he's saying. Why yeah. are you not bantering before the show? It just sounds normal. Yeah, yeah. No, but I'm I'm absolutely Ugly. exhausted. Easy to tell Wait, us why what did so you tired? say, Ray Comfort? <laughs> <laughs> out of the abundance of the heart. Yes. Now it comes out. He thinks I'm ugly. No, I took uh, I took Kylie. It was her 15th birthday. We went to Knott's Berry Farm yesterday. and uh, Which is like Disneyland. Was it just the two of you? People. Uh, no, we took Janie, there was Daniel's other people there. daughter, which is her cousin, <laughs> and uh, it was cool. The first ride we went on, someone recognized me from the ministry. From the podcast? And, uh, <laughs> they knew from my podcast. Yeah, that's because Easy Watcher and everyone saying, Living Waters Podcast. <laughs> Living exactly. Waters Podcast. <laughs> but no, it was really cool. We got little fellowship in, in line while we were waiting for the ride. But boy, with age, you just change, don't you? 
Nope. I, ne- I never remembered feeling exhausted after an amusement park as a kid. But now it's like... I feel exhausted going down an escalator. <laughs> <laughs> what about going up one backwards, yeah. right? Did you go on Ghost Rider? Do you like fast rides still? Okay. This is where wisdom comes in with age. Remember when Murray Smith was here, right? Mm, my dear Zealand, friend from New Zealand. Many, many years ago. And we took them to Knott's. And we thought, oh, you know what? Let's start out light, like with a, a real easy roller coaster just to break ourselves in. So we go on this one that seemed really small, little cars, no headrest, no strap. And so we go on it. And it this Thunder Mountain? Ghost Rider. Oh. Thunder Mountain's at Disneyland, Ray. Oh, sorry. Uh, and it killed us. I had to go see a chiropractor. Rachel didn't go on any other rides the rest of the day. It was the most insane ride. So this time I said, guys, not doing it. You girls go. I'll wait here. So I, I took a nap on the bench while they went on. And they came back. And I'm like, okay, we're done. I said, uh, go one more time. <laughs> I continued my nap. So you gain wisdom. Mm-hmm. Do not go on Ghost Rider, friends. Wait, you it took a nap at Knott's Berry Farm on a bench? Oh, You're so that nice. old? <laughs> yes. Naps pretty fun. And my sleep apnea kept waking me up while I was trying to take the nap. I, I get that dream. That's a lot of fun. Oh, boy. You're the guy that everybody walks by and sees asleep on the side. And they were walking by going, room. how are they letting homeless people in the Knott's Berry Farm? But that's another <laughs> thing as you get older. You don't care what people think. And not only that, he woke up in the Coke container that was next to him was full of money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Kylie goes, that's so weird. Like, you look weird lying there. I'm like, I don't care. I got to rest. <laughs> anyway, what does that have to do? because you were you were clutching your teddy bear while you were asleep. Yeah. <laughs> What's that have to do with handling money biblically, friends? Absolutely nothing. Well, you spent Speaking money of- at Knott's. Yeah, well, uh, wisely, though, I got a year-round pass, yeah. and we got the food pass and the whole deal. So maybe it wasn't so wise after all. We'll probably Speaking go of once. handling money, how many diseases are probably handed on to other people because we handle money that other people have handled? Uh, so you're willing to throw away all your $100 bills, right? Because it was handled? <laughs> yeah, I'll take them. <laughs> I only handle new money. Yeah. yeah. Or, so, or self-printed money. Mm-hmm. Counterfeit. That is exa- right. We've talked about that. Ray would be in prison Certainly. if he didn't get saved. I'd have a little printing press in my cell. Counterfeiting <laughs> <laughs> money. So today, guys, we're we're talking about money. Uh, this is something that, again, unless you're Dave Ramsey, <laughs> no one talks about much. But it's so important. I think we have the extremes, right? Some Christians make it their god, unfortunately. Others don't talk about it at all because it's uncomfortable or even pastors don't want to talk about it because they don't want to come across a certain way. But it's an issue that has spiritual dynamics. On the last podcast, we talked about how if someone doesn't provide for his own household, he's worse than an infidel. Mm. That takes money. There's a spiritual dynamic and element to money, uh, but there's also an idolatrous element to money. Of course, what is money? How do you define money? Money. Is it paper? It's kind of a funny word. Is it gold? Is it silver? You know, is it a, a promissory note? What is money? You it's perceived by gold, didn't it, yeah, Oscar? Until the perceived, currency. Yeah, perceived value. Whatever you have can be used for a means of exchange with any person. Mm. You know, I could use these mugs that are on our table as a form of exchange if you valued them. Yeah, you know? yeah, and and Scripture has a lot to say on money, more than I think most people realize. Yep. But Oscar, you were big into the money industry. You were in the financial world. Ray Comfort, why are you raising your hand? Yes, I've Ray just Comfort, seen on my notes, someone here has written on my notes, send your money to Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> See? How to handle money. His past training is coming right. into play. So yeah, you were in the financial industry, and so you got to see a lot of uh, those elements of greed, but also those who had wisdom yeah. to think about 
money and to handle it in the right ways. We love to give things away. We love to give things away. And that's why we will do that every single day here on the Living Waters podcast. That's right, friends. We're giving away goodies for those of you who go to livingwaters.com forward slash podcast and fill out the form. We are giving 10, believe it or not, 10 different people each week goodies from Living Waters, $100 value for each box. You'll get tracts and books and a podcast mug and all kinds of good things. So make sure to participate at livingwaters.com forward slash podcast. And make sure to listen to the very end of the podcast where you will hear the announcement of the winners every week. Yeah, you know, um, what's interesting is that there's there's a lack of understanding of how to steward your money out there. Not just not just in the world in general. And if you think about it in the most simplest of ways, our kids will go to school and learn about trigonometry before they'll learn about how to balance a checkbook, mm. how to save for retirement, how to be generous and give. I left school not knowing how to bank my money, how to even fill out a deposit form. Yeah. And, and where did you end up working? Working, right? working in a bank. Working in a bank. <laughs> just to figure out how. See? But I could speak French. Yeah. And I knew about trigonometry. It was just stupid. They didn't teach me about life. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you you should, in school, you should understand what a mortgage payment is, how to pull out a loan to buy a home, how to open up a banking and savings account. What does mortgage mean? All of uh, a debt owed to somebody else. Well, it's two words: mort, death, gauge, grip. Ooh, mm. it's a con death with grip. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Etymology. Uh, these are things. Pra- I mean, Do you mind I'm just being speaking... interrupted by me? No, not at all. Ray, okay, please carry on. go on. I've done it. <laughs> these are How about practical. being interrupted by oh, me? <laughs> I wonder if they're still hiring. <laughs> I'm going back. Uh, I'm speaking. I would never interrupt you. I find that to be very rude. I, I apologize for them doing that to you, Oscar. I used to have a respectful anyway, Mark, job. Thank you for your sensitivity. To yeah. Oscar. I feel like the, the the Spurgeon picture behind you is about to interrupt. <laughs> that I wouldn't mind because you'd have something wise to say for <laughs> once. True. So, Oscar, carry on. Sorry about that. Uh, I'm speaking mostly about practical stuff and then i think also in the church we just lack a theological understanding of how to manage our money in a way that glorifies god Mm -hmm. often people will even misinterpret the text when they say that the money is uh you know the root of all evil money in itself is not the root of all evil the text says it is the root of all kinds of evil the love, of the, love of the money. love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, right? Mm-hmm. And so God gives us uh, stewardship over our funds to glorify and honor him. And I would just say there are three ways I think that we can look at money. There's the, the way of capitalism, which says that my money is my own. I earned it and I do what I want with it. And if I want to be generous, then I'm a generous person. That's the capitalistic way of looking at money. There's a socialist way of looking at money, which is my money belongs to the state and they will distribute it, redistribute it as they see fit. But then the Christian biblical way of looking at money is that my money belongs to God and I am called to steward it the way that he sees fit. Mm-hmm. It is his funds. Um, and, and you know, one of the main bits of scripture that comes to mind is Leviticus 23, 22, 22 
when you reap the harvest of your land, you are not to reap all the way to the edge of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Leave them for the poor and the resident alien. I am the Lord your God. And so there's this sense, I think in our way of thinking, we think, man, let me just gather as much money as possible. And then I'm going to give a little bit. I'm going to give just a tad bit back. But here it flips that on its edge. It's like all the money that you make, keep what you need and give the rest away. Which in some ways is way more, we talk about tithing of 10%. If you think about that calling in Leviticus 23, it's almost asking, asking you for something much more dangerous than just a small 10%. It's saying that the money that you keep for yourself is enough to take care of your needs and the rest God has plans for uh, mm. otherwise. Wow. Yeah, Ray, speaking of what Oscar just cited, that's 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 10. It says, now godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith and their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So when the Bible talks about the love of money, Ray, what does that look like? What is that? What does it mean to love money? Now, I think the key word there is they that desire to be rich. It's not talking about the rich. It's mm. those just mm-hmm. desire to be rich, those who are filled with greed and covetousness and will stomp on their own family to become rich. And so they're the ones that pierce themselves through of many sorrows. And so we have to be careful of covetousness, like we talked about covetousness, like the Americans say. Covetousness. <laughs> As Americans say. So, uh, yeah, never set your heart on the on the money or the things of this world. It's not just the money, but the things that money can buy. Yeah. I I think Randy Elkhorn hit it out of the park with a single sentence when he said, God prospers me not to raise my standard of living, but to raise my standard of giving. Mm. Right. With food and, uh, what is that? With food and uh, clothing, we shall be content. Right. Right. I mean, well, what kind of food? (laughs) Right. Some people eat to live, others live to eat. Well, it's in and out, obviously. And oh, you say that right now, right? Yeah. There was starving. definitely a part of my life where I would not eat to live, but I would live to eat. Hmm. That I would be so excited. And, I, and I'm very simple now when it comes to my food. Like I That's I could true. eat soup and salad every yes, single it's day. True. Not together. BJ's, Mark. Together. What's that? BJ's, all you can eat soup. Is there is, I really yeah. love soup. Mark does too. I yeah. just start a soup club. One of my kids hates soups. and I Really? Soups. I love soup. <laughs> and I don't get it. But for those of you, I, I just want to emphasize this. He is a simple eater. No matter where we go in this world, (laughs) Mark wants to eat at one place and one place alone. It's BJ's Pizza. And he wants to order one thing and one thing alone. And it's their all-you-can-eat super salad. And I have a a, a golden rule about when I travel. I don't like to eat anywhere that I could eat at home, which this is our, our conflict. When Mark and I travel together... He's Googling where the closest BJ's Pizza is, and I'm trying to find a mom and pop shop. <laughs> That's right. Are you ashamed, Mark, of your soup and salad love? No, I, I love it. It's, I mean, I eat pretty much the same thing every day except for dinner. I, I love it. It's, it's just really simple. <laughs> I eat the same thing every day except for my meals. Except for my meals, <laughs> right. Yeah, listen to what John Foreman, he's the lead singer for the band uh, Switchfoot. He said, uh, show me your pocketbook, and I'll show you your religion. Mm. Show me your Google search history, and I'll show you your religion. You can talk all you want about your beliefs, but without action. Your fancy words about faith mean very little. Religion is best shown in the way we spend our time and our finances here on the planet. What you say you believe is not your religion. 
your religion is the way you treat orphans and widows mm. here on the planet. Wow. Right? They're, they're tapping into something there, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's the whole idea of, and, I, and I've, I've talked about this, that it's almost as if God doesn't speak English, mm-hmm. but he speaks hardish. He speaks action-ish, right? He, he sees what we do. He knows. I mean, how many times have, have we been carried away in a song where we're singing a song, but we have no idea what we're saying? We're mm-hmm. just kind of going through the motions. You can go through the motions when you give the tithe on Sunday. Yeah. You can go through the motions as you, I got to get in my chapter of reading uh, for the day. But God desires so much more. He wants fellowship. Yeah. You know, I mean, when somebody becomes a Christian, it's not just fire insurance. God saved us so that we can have a relationship with him. And he says, no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. That's the, if you need it, he will give it. And John Foreman in that in that uh, verse, in that song is, is referencing uh, what theologians recognize a common theme all through scripture, which is the quintet of the vulnerable. That is the widow, the orphan, uh, the alien or foreigner, and the poor. And he commands that his people would look after them, the quintet of the vulnerable. Wow. It's really powerful. Ray, you joke a lot about money just being paper. <laughs> You're like, stupid paper. Yes, paper, paper. It really is weird when you think about what it is that men like are willing to lie, steal, cheat, kill for. Mm-hmm. It's the stuff that we can't take with us and that can disappear like that. I mean, you think of the market crashes that have happened or the people that have been robbed. I, there was some guy, I think with Bitcoin or something, I don't know if it was real or not, but he supposedly lost, forgot his code. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And could yep. never, t- and so people, he was he was willing to like share it if someone was able to crack it. He lost 7,500 Bitcoins. It was on a hard drive. He lost the key to be able to get into it. And he offered $75 million to the city if they would find it. And then, uh, nope, he's out. And at one point, I got up to more than $400 million <laughs> that he lost. Man, I was in the financial industry during the 2008 crash. Oh, and yeah. uh, I didn't know these people but I heard stories of people that my associates knew that lost millions of dollars in one or two days and were jumping out of windows to <gasps> commit suicide over it. Wow. Over the loss of their bank accounts. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's the crux of really the matter. It's when money has become your God. Speaking of that, let's talk for a few minutes about the rich young ruler. Yeah. Uh, came running to Jesus, knelt down, said, Good master, what shall I do and hear eternal life? And Jesus said, Why do you call me good? There's none good but God. And he gave him the commandments. Mm-hmm. I want you guys to correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think I've seen something in here that not many people have seen, and I, I wouldn't build a church on it, so I'm open to correction. This is what Jesus said. Jesus said to him, Why do you call me Lord? Uh, you know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not be a false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Anything strange about that? Hmm. Is anything strange? Mm. There's one of the, it's not the command, a commandment. He what? said, defraud not. Do mm. not defraud. Huh. What's that about? And often we hear, and like I said, I'm open to correction. Often we hear the rich young ruler was a nice, sincere young man. Jesus loved to win away sorrowful, for he was rich. And he says, I've kept all those from my youth up. I think he was lying. I think he got his money by fraud. Because why would Jesus say that in the middle of the commandments? It's like saying to someone, 
don't black, blackmail your mother-in-law, right in the middle of the commandments. You'd say, <laughs> what, why would you put that in there? Because obviously the inference is he's blackmailing his mother-in-law. So why would Jesus say, go sell all your goods, give them to the poor, come and follow me? Imagine if someone came to you and says, easy, uh, Oscar, you're good Christians. What should I do to find everlasting life? And you say, well, I want you to sell your car, get all your money in your bank account and all your goods, sell it all and give money to the poor and come and follow Jesus. We'd never say that because we know that's not what salvation comes from. Mm. So Jesus said to, to him for some reason, and when he said, I've kept all those from my youth up, everybody says that. Mm. You see, every man will proclaim his own goodness. So you've kept the Ten Commandments? Yeah, I've kept them all my life. I've been a good person. <laughs> but when you look closely at the commandments, and I think fraud is an intentional deceptive action designed to provide the perpetrator with an unlawful gain. And that's why Jesus said, you go sell all that money that you took from the poor by fraud, mm-hmm. give it to the poor, because oh. you can't follow me unless you do that. That's just my thoughts. I wouldn't, like I said, start a yeah. church on it, but no, tell that, me if you think I'm wrong. That's definitely something worth probing you know, to look deeper into, but that is interesting to think that. I wonder if it was something within, within the, the greater law, the 613 commandments that he drew from you know, f- for that purpose, but... I have a, a couple of thoughts concerning yeah. that. I've, I've read quite a few commentaries on that. When he says, I've, I've kept the commandments, I've kept these since my youth, it could very well be that he did keep them from his youth in the sense that, since his bar mitzvah, that he offered up the sacrifice that was required of the law. So you'd have the day of atonement, Yom Kippur, where the high priest would enter into the Holy of Holies. He'd so he's blameless with the blood sacrifice. So, right. Yeah. So not that he didn't sin, but he did that which was required of the law when he did sin. Yeah. So, And that's the way Jews think and react today, right? They are descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, so therefore I have access. That's my password to get into heaven is because I'm a Jew, not Jesus, but I'm a Jew. Mm. So therefore I, I'm able to get in. There's something else that perhaps, and I'm, I'm like you, and I haven't seen, seen this or I haven't read this anywhere, but it says that he went away sad. Mm. It doesn't say that he didn't, he didn't go away and do it. All right. And we, we, I think we read into that. How many times have we been put inside of a sticky situation where we go, man, oh, I don't want to do that. But we know we need to do that. It's just a difficult, uncomfortable situation to do that thing. It, he very well could have went away and did that very thing that he was sad about because he was into the riches. I'm not saying that he did. We have no, no but idea. that's an interesting point, Mark, because it doesn't say Jesus was sad. It said Jesus loved him. He went away sad. He was probably yep. sad because he had to give away all his money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a cost. Yeah, big time. And I've heard it said, you know, if you want to see where a Christian's at, look at his checkbook, you know, where their heart is at. Look at their checkbook and, and see what they do. In and out. With their money. In and out. That's where you'd see my checkbook. (laughs) Like, take a moment to thank In and Out for sponsoring that (laughs) money. Pretty much. Maybe it's the quote that I just read. What's the quote you just read? (laughs) What? I didn't want to say anything, Mark. Mark said the same thing you're saying. He just read a quote about. Show me your pocketbook and I will show you your religion. John Foreman. Yeah, Yeah, that was the whole thing. Oh, oh, good. I wasn't listening. Easy was sleeping. He wasn't. Yeah, I was going to say, you were asleep at that time. Easy was up. I pretty much am. That's very (laughs) far Remember, you know, nothing that we really have is ours. Somebody once said it's on loan from the banker. Yeah. Right? Everything that we have. That's why when we hold on to things, we need to hold them with our hands like this, you know, that are flat out. No white Hold them with a loose hand. Hold them with a loose hand because God just moves things from person to person from place to place and does what he wants to do. So what do you own? We don't even own our lives. That's yeah. right. Well, here's what I, it's funny because I was just teaching my, this lesson to the kids the other day. I uh, went to In-N-Out. 
Ooh. And I bought a ton of French fries and just a bag full of French fries. And uh, I got home and I put them in the individual things and I handed it off to my three kids. And I looked at one of the kids and I was like, hey, can I have a French fry? And they're like, oh, you got your own French fries. Oh, that's funny. And I said, I am the giver and taker of fries. And I slid their fries back to me. And I looked at my other kid and I said, can I have a French fry? And now they're catching on. And they're like, yeah, here, have a French fry. And I said, I am the giver of taker of all fries. And I grabbed a handful of fries and I put more on their plate. And the point that I was making is that we are, to your point, stewards. And a steward simply means that that which is in your possession does not belong to you. It belongs to the Lord. And he who gives is also the one who takes away. And so I was trying to teach my kid nothing about French fries. I was trying to teach them about stewardship. And I would say stewardship goes beyond just money. At our church, we like to focus on three things regarding stewardship. Time, talent, and treasure. Treasure is your money. You are a steward of the funds that belong to the Lord. Your time, you're called to be a good steward of your time. Your time belongs to the Lord. Your talents, that in which the way the Lord gifts you, right? That belongs to the Lord. It does not belong to you. Mm. That's really. I good. have a couple of good uh, quotes that I've kind of accumulated over the years. Uh, Sam Storms, he said, Our giving is but a reflex of God's giving. That's good. George wow. Mueller, God judges what we give by what we keep. Ooh, that's good. I like that one. That, that's a that's oh, a good boy. one, right? Good. Um, Randy Elkhorn, when Jesus warns us not to store up treasures on earth, it's not just because wealth might be lost. It's because wealth will always be lost. Either it leaves us while we live or we leave it when we die. But make no mistake, there are no exceptions. Wow. I you see, you see in the book of Job, um, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He had a... A good perspective. Yeah. David's attitude in, in First Chronicles 29, you guys remember that he had been taking up collections uh, uh, to provide so that Solomon could build the house of God because God told David that he couldn't do it. And I love what he said to the Lord. He said in First Chronicles 29, he said, verse 13, now therefore our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer so willingly as this? For all things come from you and of your own, we have given you. Mm. <laughs> I mean, he's humbled. Who are we that we could give to you? And by the way, what we're giving to you comes from what you've given to us. It all belongs to you. Mm-hmm. That reminded me of what you said about being all the giver and taker of all the fries, right? I mean, you're the one who gave your kids these fries in the first place, and their heart should be, oh, yeah, here you go, you know? And so. so- what does this verse encompass? The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. That everything mm, is God's. Belongs to him. Everything. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we give to him from what is his. Yeah. One of the things that I often hear um, men who are incredibly, men and women who are incredibly gifted Thank in you. business, <laughs> they often struggle with whether they should be spending their time out there in the world making money or spending their time um, you know, serving the church in some sort of capacity. Mm. And generally speaking, what we see in the, in, the, in the scriptures, we see three different offices that God uses to build his kingdom. And that's prophets, priests, and kings. Uh, and so to oversimplify, the prophet is the person who is able to disseminate and speak the truths of God. Not a future teller in any way, shape, or form in regards to the scriptures. The prophet is the person, like 
Ray Comfort is uh, w- would be considered a prophet in the sense that he knows how to speak God's truths into the world to inspire and equip Christians and to bring people to saving faith. That's a prophet. Some people are gifted in that way. Some people are gifted to be a priest. The priest is is that prayer warrior who serves the local church, bringing meals to their families. My wife is a great example of this kind of ministry. She just loves to love on people and care for their needs and pray for them. And then there are the kings. The kings are business savvy administrators. They know how to make money. And that is like we should embrace the kings because God's kingdom needs kings to make an order of things, to bring financial stewardship over God's kingdom. And so if you are gifted to be a king, I'd say embrace that, but recognize that the fruits that come from it do not belong to you. They belong to the Lord. Well, you know, to be consistent in in highlighting context, 1 Timothy 6, which we already read, talks about not being those that love money, right? But the second part of the that chapter he talks to those who do have money first timothy 6 17 to 19 command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty nor to trust in uncertain riches but in the living god who gives us richly all things to enjoy let them do good that they be rich in good works ready to give willing to share storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold of eternal life so the 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 balance of it all is, hey, don't seek to be rich. Don't make money your object, objective in life and your God. Don't love money. But hey, there are those that God blesses and allows to be rich. If that's you, then this is how you should conduct yourself. Don't put your hope, don't put your trust in riches. They're uncertain. Hope in the Lord. Be, do good. Be willing to give, ready to share. You know, that, that should be the heart of those that have been blessed. Like Interesting that. exhultation. If you're rich, don't be haughty. Mm. Because mm. you can tend to yeah. think, I've got riches. I can buy anything I want. Mm-hmm. I can do anything I want. No one can stop me. And it says in Proverbs, a rich man answers roughly. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I could I could hear somebody arguing back, like the 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 pushback on that was like, well, what do you mean? I worked hard. It I, I used my intellect. I have committed myself. Yeah, that's true. You've been a good steward, but even those things are gifts. Yeah. Like you you have a brain that is capable of making money. Who gave you that brain? Exactly. You have a body that's capable to go to work. Who sustains the healthiness of that body? Or furthermore, who decided that you would be born in one of the wealthiest countries in all of human history mm-hmm. so that you had the capacity to make the money that you had? You did not choose where you would be born, the mind that you would have, the health that you would have, all of those things God has graciously given to you to be a steward of. Amen. Mm. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit, though, about the proper relationship to money when it comes to being wise with it. Because there's also the flip side of that of, oh, okay, we don't care about money. And so then Christians aren't wise with the money God has entrusted into their care. And so, you know, you think of even what it says in Scripture, uh, Paul references that he he says, uh, the children lay up, the parents lay up for their children and not children for their parents, speaking of, you know, finances. And uh, that, you know, the, the positive spin that's put on those that leave an inheritance for their children's children. And then also the principle of providing for your own uh, family, like we read about. 
and being wise because I, I tell my children this, look, if you're not taking care of yourself financially, it means someone else is going to have to do it. And that's not a biblical principle, you know, in that we're, we're to be good stewards of loving God with the gifts, talents, time, treasure he's given us. And, and he provides through that. And so you need to also be wise and not be a spendthrift, foolish with money, et cetera. Mark, do you have something to say on that? I, yep. Uh, Kent Hughes, yep. boy, he's so... Uh, mm-hmm. Kent Hughes said, uh, a preacher paid a visit to a farmer and he asked, if you had $200, would you give $100 to the Lord? The farmer responded, sure would. If you had two cows, would you give one cow to the Lord? Yeah, I would. If you had two pigs, would you give one of them to the Lord? The farmer replied, that's not fair. You know I have two pigs. <laughs> <laughs> and then yes. Ken Hughes said, uh, there is no other time for giving, but now it'll never be easy. Mm. When we give, we don't give out of our abundance, but out of our poverty. We, we have to um, make sure that it does feel something. God forbid, David said, right? That I ever offer anything to the Lord, that which costs me nothing, yeah. right? We we want to feel that. It's good to feel that. When we give, we should worship, you know, when we give. Uh, Dave Ramsey, uh, God bless him. We've uh, gone through his uh, material, and I have some takeaways that he has done that he has said that he's brought out in Scripture that I think are very good. In Proverbs 17, 18, it talks about not co-signing. It says, a man devoid of understanding shakes hands in a pledge and becomes surety for his friend. Uh, don't go into debt, Proverbs 22, 7. The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is servant of the lender. Uh, do a budget, Luke 14, verse 28. For which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Save money, Proverbs 21, 20. There is precious treasure and oil in the home of the wise, but a foolish person swallows it all up. Mm. Live on less than what you make, Proverbs 21.20. There is desirable treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man squanders it. And then finally, God loves a cheerful giver, doesn't he? 2 Corinthians 9, 6 to 7. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. You know, the essence of generosity is self-sacrifice. I, you know, I'm, I'm going to give until it hurts or possibly until I die, and that's exactly what Jesus did. It's a picture financially as well. Well, how we need Proverbs, you hear of so many secular people who come into riches, massive riches, and a few years later you find they've lost it all. Mm-hmm. You think, how do they manage to do that? It takes a lot of skill. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. And I think that being a person who has it as their heart to really honor the Lord, uh, th- these are the people that I've seen time and again, God bless. And yet you get this sense like, if it all went away yesterday, praise the Lord, because mm. it never had me, right? Own money. Don't let your money own you. Use it as a, a tool. It's an instrument, right? It's a tool and an instrument that enables us to, to accomplish things for God's glory and to touch and bless other people. And um, you know, those who make it their idol will see it as a cruel, cruel master mm. because it 
demands so much of you. And in the end, when you look at what you chased in order to get it, and you see the things that really matter having fallen to the wayside, we use this a lot of times as a, as kind of a, an illustration, but seriously, how many kids have been destroyed because their parents didn't give them of themselves. We you know we brought this up a little bit in our recent podcast on idolatry, and uh, and the God of money will demand sacrifices. People mm-hmm. will sacrifice their families, their children, their relationship with their spouses, uh, their relationship with the Lord for money, and uh, it'll demand more and more and more of you, and it'll give you ultimately less and less and less. And one of the other things too about money is that if you worship it, you will never feel like you have enough. Mm. That's so true. Um, Also, the kids that haven't been born because of the love of money. I knew a couple that said they weren't going to have kids because they want to be successful. Wow. And so they just didn't even, and they ended up divorcing. Surprise. Yeah. And, you know, Ray, for many years, you had a hard time even mentioning anything about giving to our ministry. And what was behind that? In fact, there's a reason why you've given money out on the streets for so long. Speak to that. Yeah, um, being a New Zealander, we're very um, we're not as open about things as Americans. It's just part of our nature, our character. We're sort of conservative. Would you like to open up about it? Yeah, I'm just going. I'm just. I've been here 30 years, so I can do that, dude. Um, <laughs> but when we came over here, Americans are far more open and uh, uh, to talk about money and giving and very generous people. Uh, I don't know what it is. It perhaps comes from when the ones that left England were adventurous, and that may be what, what, what's caused us people to be so generous. And, but um, I've always felt awkward, and as a nonprofit, we have to ask for money. People don't realize that. If we were a, a, a for business ministry, we wouldn't ask, but we've got to show that we have donors to keep our status. Mm-hmm. So I've had to apply myself to it, but I've... Uh, Always try to show appreciation to people that support us. We call I call people that give to mm-hmm. the ministry, and everyone that gives in a gift to the when they purchase tracks and books, and that I always acknowledge it and say thanks because I think it's so important. A, a lot of your aversion to it, though, Ray, also had to do with the money grubbing charlatans. Oh yes, yeah. Right? You've got the yeah the uh, bottomless collection bag guys on TV that just always want more money and and they don't preach the gospel. Uh, that is grievous beyond words because that's the impression the world gets so that right. you've got legitimate organizations that legitimately can be supported by donors that want to support them that feel bad because they get lumped in with the televangelists. And I think that there's a right and wrong way on how to be a nonprofit. And uh, I, I love the way I, you know, when I got here, we had a something established already, which is we we are stewards of those who find it in their heart to steward us their funds. Mm. And so... Uh, a lot of the way that Ray, you do it, and the way that Living Waters does it, I think is beautiful. We we make our needs known, and we invite people to partner with us. There's nothing manipulative uh, or twisted about that. And I love the. I don't, I don't people. I don't think people realize the significance of this because I talk to a lot of people that oversee their nonprofit organizations, and when I tell them Ray will call somebody who gives two hundred dollars, hmm. he'll call them on the phone and say thank you. The first thing is like, wait, he's still calling people? Like most most you know organizational leaders aren't calling people who give $10,000 if they get a check for $10,000. And so your heart 
to love on partners who want the gospel to be proclaimed, who want other Christians to uh, be inspired and equipped is uh, inspirational to me. It's pretty amazing. Thank you. Very, very encouraging. And, you know, this is all so important because Jesus talked about laying up for ourselves treasures in heaven, right? Where neither moth nor rust destroy, nor, nor thieves break in and steal. And that really is at the heart of everything that we're talking about, right? It's being eternally minded to the degree that you recognize that there are more important things that matter. Because if you think really carefully about it, money has tied to it energy and time. Energy and time to to, manu- to really acquire it. And so you have to just ask yourself the question, do you invest energy and time in the kingdom? And the interesting thing is that those can be done concurrently. Mm-hmm. Because I can be working earning money and giving time and energy, but I'm doing it under the Lord. Yeah. As I'm at work, I'm being a witness. And so I'm, I'm storing up heavenly treasure while I'm doing that. It's recognizing that God doesn't have us in this place called work. If you do the math, it's really about, I think, 11 years of 24-hour, 365 days that we spend at work. So if I walk into this room, it says work above it, and I don't walk out for another 11 straight years. No breaks. No, That's how much we spend at work. It's not so that work can be a source of supply for our income. God's the source. Work is a medium through which I have the opportunity to fulfill the greatest commandment by loving God and all that he's called me to be as his child and by loving people through meeting their greatest need. Let me ask a very practical question that I've heard you talk about before, Easy. Um, a Christian might be asking themselves, okay, so am I supposed to give 10, 10%? Is that a commandment in the New Testament? We hear that often, 10%. Speak into that. What does what is, what is the New Testament call us to? Well, I think we've already cited the passage in terms of the kind of heart that we're to have in giving. Uh, you know, There are churches that still teach that the tithe is for today. You made a point earlier, really, if we look at Scripture, it goes even beyond the tithe. If we were to get technical, it was more really than 10% mm-hmm. when you look at what, what God's people were called upon to give. Uh, I don't believe we see a New Testament uh, command to give 10%. I would say that's a good place to start Mm -hmm. if I were to put it that way, you know. But again, 1 Timothy 6, uh, or I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 7, that uh, let each one give, verse 7, as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. I think the guiding principle is generosity. Mm-hmm. And when you hold to a number, I have to give this much, then it, it can become one of those things where it's like, okay, I've done my duty. Versus- you can give 10% in a non-generous way. Exactly. Yeah. Or in a non-cheerful way. Yeah. So Jesus I- teaches us something very important about how we invest uh, the world's treasure, you know, that God has entrusted onto us. He said, you know, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And he reminds us that there is a spiritual ledger of our lives with entries made by every penny we spend in this life, whether by cash or coin check or by line of credit. Every financial decision we make, it sits on a razor's edge. It will either fall away into the abyss or it will fall towards the heavens. Mm -hmm. And I think that Jim Elliott, non-financially, but though he surrendered financially, he had a good grasp on this as he is so often quoted as saying, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Mm. 
um, there was uh, the owner of a company who was very financially well-to-do, and he would say, the money was coming in, and I, as fast as the money would come in, I would take it and I would shovel it out the back door. But the money kept coming in the front door, and I kept shoving it out the back door. And what I realized is God just had a bigger shovel than me. <laughs> you cannot outgive God. Right. You cannot do it. It's impossible. Go ahead. Good luck. Try to do it. Outgive God. He's got a bigger shovel. I love that because I could, I could hear someone thinking, listen to this section of the podcast and go, ah, oh, they're just trying to get people to give more to living waters. But, but pay attention. We started by not even talking about generosity. We started by recognizing a theological understanding of, of stewardship over your money, which goes as far as saying, if you have an opportunity to make more money in a different career, you should stop and think, is it worth the time and energy that it'll take away from my wife and children. So it's like your overall view of your career and finances. And then we also talked about like, well, first and foremost, give to your church. That's what wow. God commands you to do. We talked about giving to the poor. Like we have no concern over living waters because we know that the Lord will provide. Yeah. For those whose heart he puts it on to give to living waters, that's what he's going to do. And we trust the Lord with that. Amen. Yeah, and Oscar, you know, uh, as the president of this ministry, uh, how many talks I've had with you in reiterating our our perspective on this, which reflects also Ray's heart, and that is that the Lord is a source of supply for all of our needs. He is the source. And so uh, we, we look to Him, mm -hmm. and we're blessed by how He's so generously provided. And as Oscar said, if, if you've ever been a supporter of Living Waters, uh, make sure that uh, we are not taking the place of your generosity toward your local church. That is first and foremost, and that you're not going into any debt to give mm. to our ministry. Uh, that would grieve our heart deeply. Mm. Um, our desire is to serve you and to bless you. Again, if you, if you have ever chosen to partner with us, words can't express how grateful we are. But know that um, that has nothing to do with our desire to serve you. Mm, uh, the amen. Lord has provided abundantly. Our ministry is doing better than it ever has. And uh, we're grateful to God for, for doing that and using his people to, to provide. But uh, make sure your financial priorities are in order. Amen. That uh, you're, you're supporting your local church. That's really the, the, the key. And if God uh, leads you to give to, to our ministry or other ministries, then make sure you, you do it with a glad heart. And if you can't do it cheerfully, don't do it at all. Mm. And so, yeah, and let me, let me finish with uh, this quote here by Randy Alcorn. He said, God comes right out and tells us why he gives us more money than we need. It's not so we can find more ways to spend it. Hmm. It's not so we can indulge ourselves and spoil our children. It's not so we can insulate ourselves from needing God's provision. It's so we can give generously. When God provides more money, we often think, this is a blessing. Well, yes, but it would be just as scriptural to think, this is a test. <laughs> wow, this is a test. Mm. And so, uh, friends, we hope today your hearts and minds have been turned toward uh, wanting to be biblical in every area of life. And we hope your heart really resonates with, let me, let me be generous, let me give to others from what God has given to me, to friends in need, to neighbors by finding ways that you can give them gifts that will encourage them, by uh, being those that look to those that are underprivileged hmm. and, and, and you just yearn to be a conduit through which God touches others and to trust him to supply your every need.
Thanks for joining us. And uh, again, make sure to check out Ray's book, Think on These Things. So many giving principles in the Proverbs. Uh, we think that will encourage you. So make sure to check it out at livingwaters.com. Uh, podcast at livingwaters.com for any thoughts, any uh, suggestions, ideas for future programs. And make sure to give us a rating and also comments on the podcast. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you here next time on The Living Waters Podcast. I've never won anything in my life. Well, some of you can no longer say that, friends. Here are the winners for the Living Waters podcast giveaway. Carrie from Hobart, Oklahoma. Bryce from Huntington, Indiana. Kenneth from Redding, California. Jamie from Kalamazoo, Michigan. Heather from Ashland, Ohio. Will from Norfolk, Nebraska. Gabrielle from Bristol, Connecticut. Marcy from Liverpool, New York. Dylan from Kadena, Australia. And Jobelin from Newmarket, Canada. How boot that A. We love you guys. Keep listening to the Living Waters Podcast.